0: Hi everyone i'm becky and this is claire and welcome to another episode of podway hey! so welcome back in
1: our podcast we always talk about things about musicals theaters and hopefully play sometimes but in today's episode we will be talking about emily
0: so i'll just give a brief synopsis of like the musical to start with so emily is a musical based on the 2001 french rom-com movie by the same name Um, So it's about a waitress who gets inspired by Princess Diana to do good deeds and how she finds love and community along the way. So what's your experience like with Amelie? So I watched the movie, I don't even remember when,
1: but it was definitely some years ago, like maybe during my teenage years or something. Mm -hmm. And then I rewatched it last year again, and it is a French movie. I always love French movies, so I decided to kind of give it another try. It was. Absolutely, a wonderful movie to watch. Um, even though it has been like what almost twenty years now. Twenty um, years, yeah, yeah, almost. And um, and it just it's uh, such a classic. I really enjoyed it. In terms of the musical, though, I didn't really know that there was a musical until we kind of brought this up. So. If you have been listening to our episodes for a while now, then you can probably tell that Becky is the one who kind of introduced me to all sorts of musicals. I only know no, the big ones. No, no, so no, no. <laughs> the for most of the time, I only know the big ones, even though I claim that I like musicals a lot. But I don't really go on my way to find new, like the smaller musicals necessarily to watch. So in a way, I'm really grateful that we're doing this because I didn't really know this exists until very recently.
0: So um, my familiarity with it is actually very, very superficial familiarity when I was um, in my early teenage years. So um, in grade eight, we were given the option to um, study a language. So on top of mandatory English and Arabic um, that we had to learn, we were given the option to study French, uh, Mandarin, or Russian, and I chose French one of the class activities we're um, encouraged to do is watch a movie. And since it's movie time, I don't know how close you guys are to being in school, but whenever movie time happens, nobody actually pays attention to the movie. So I remember a few scenes watching from like when I was 14, and then nothing else. (laughs) And I quickly forgot about this musical, Uh, sorry about the movie. And then I got um, reacquainted with it later on. So I really like Hamilton, which is something we talked about in depth in our previous um, episode of In the Heights, and the one of the lead characters, Eliza, is played by this actress, Philippa Sue, who is the main lead here. She's Emily, um, and since I really, really liked her in Hamilton, I decided that I really wanted to um, learn more about Emily and the musical. And in the end, I actually went to see it. So um, in 2019, so two years ago before everything with COVID hit, I took a trip to England and I think I talked about it before. And one of the shows I went to see in West End is Amelie. I want to talk a little bit about the experience that I had watching shows in England, but it was a very good experience. All in all, this show is very beautiful to watch in person. So if you have the opportunity to watch it in person, uh, definitely do it. Now, you also went to see some West End shows when you visited England is yeah that right? yeah what Matilda. was your experience like you only see Matilda I saw Matilda and then La Le- as well Le okay what was your experience like was it different than watching it like in Mervish, which is the Toronto one or Canadian one and in uh, Broadway I will say it's pretty similar so I have a, a culture shock a little bit when I went really? to see it so um, the first ever musical related show that i watched like in north american context was broadway and um everything there was very clean and organized and everybody was very well behaved (laughs) when it comes to watching the shows and like people just like sat completely quietly to watch the musical. They um, cheered where it was appropriate. They didn't leave the seats. No kids crying anywhere. It was a very good viewing experience. Then I find myself and the first ever showing that I went to in West End. And the first one I've been to was Matilda out of the three that I watched in total. There were these like girls who got out of their seats 13 times to fetch beer. And beer and like drinking in general was something that is very widely consumed in theater context, which is something that I found wild. I really wasn't used to that, and the fact that people just leave their sit- seat multiple times per show to grab some drinks is not necessarily the culture that I'm used to in terms of like viewership. Because um, I don't know, I feel like it's not as respectful, but I think people take it a little bit more easily because it's such a entrenched part of like London experience, I guess. And for mm. Emily. Uh, the crowd was better because it was in a, in a smaller setting and a more sophisticated part of like the London, I don't know, feel and everything in terms of the crowd was fine. But I think a few minutes into the show, I smell cigarette smoke oh and it my was God. coming from one of the band members what? and it wasn't from an actor who needed to do it for the role. One of the band members, I think it was the cellist or something, was just smoking. I was like, are you joking? Are wow. you joking? You're smoking on stage indoors. That's unbelievable. That's exactly. and I, I don't think you're allowed to smoke indoors here even. So like the fact that somebody just did that out of the blue is flabbergasting to me. Wow. Yes. Um, well, if we have
1: any UK audience, <laughs> you can let us know. Please corroborate. If like, <laughs> yeah, if, um, if theater culture is what Becky just described, because from what I can remember, I don't recall anything like that. If you remember, Becky, like when we went to see Waitress in Toronto, yeah. we also have people who are like kind of leaving the seats all the time, but probably not 13 times per show. And they left
0: the seat in the middle. Do you remember? So we went, oh, they went, just went left to completely. They yeah. just went and left. Like there are really, dis- <laughs> it was really funny. I don't know if you want me to say, but it was really funny. They were playing with like a game or something. It was very noisy and it was uh, they, like it lit up the game that they're playing. So it was distracting as well. And you were actually so brave. You were really brave. I was so at awe when you did that. And you told them off. And then uh, your phone. Yeah. <laughs> I had an alarm. Yes, you had an alarm It right? A little bit of a karma. So but embarrassing. Honestly, it's good that you did that. I appreciate it. I cannot tell you how much. It actually is not karma. Don't No, but the way. thing is,
1: like if you pay good. Taking money to go to see like a show um I just think you know you need to do anything to defend your experience
0: defend that yeah um I agree honestly and shows are pretty expensive when you think about it too they aren't cheap exactly right and people have been practicing for years uh I mean honing their craft in general and then for months leading up to the production and I think they deserve our full attention and respect you know
1: definitely now that actually come to think of it um would it be that the tickets in UK are cheaper because they have a lot more theaters in London per se maybe like people just take it more casually
0: they are cheaper so Mm -hmm. um compared to The three places, I guess, they've uh, paid for theater tickets myself, um, which is New York, Toronto, and London. London was the cheapest. Um, And in terms of the viewership experience, Wicked was really, really good. Everybody was really, really nice. The audience, the performers, amazing. So it was just Amelie and Matilda. So two out of three that had a weird thing going on in terms of the viewership okay okay interesting um, context yes. so that was a long preamble <laughs> to the actual <laughs> musical and in terms of the movie i watched a movie i rewatched, i guess the movie in full pretty recently um i would say within the past year i enjoyed it a lot it inspired me to try to like dress as parisian as i can the the outfits there are just beautiful so the versions of amelie are very different from each other So the ones we've watched, I think, was the pre-Broadway one. The one that most people are probably familiar with would be the Broadway recording one. And then um, the West End one, which just just released a recording, by the way. So it might be more, I don't know, popular as time goes on. Mm -hmm. But the three versions differ a lot from each other in in some pretty big ways, like for example, certain songs will be cut completely or there'll be refrains that are added. And I'll mention throughout, since I've watched all three versions. Um, So just keep that in mind. Okay, so for the first little tidbit of the synopsis and songs, we're just gonna group three of them together. So what we're going to group is times are hard for dreamers world's best dad and world's best friend, world's best friend and world's best mom. So all of them together, actually. So the musical opens by introducing Emily and her family. Uh, so her father, Rafael Pula, is a war doctor who is touch averse. And uh, we find out he will only touch Emily once per month for a medical checkup. And he will only do that through a medical glove as well. Uh, Meanwhile, her mother seems to be a very anxious individual and she's kind of like just neurotic in general. So um, Emily is kind of like in her own fantasy world and she just dreams in general. So then we kind of like go to one of the checkups that she has with her dad and we find out she gets really excited to be touched by him because um, she wants to have the kind of connection with her father. So due to that excitement, her heart starts to accelerate, which um, her dad notices. Um, and he decides that because of that, she isn't fit to be engaged in any kind of like stimulating activity, physical activity, something that will like rile her up out of like fear of, to her health. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, they kind of like decide to pull her out of school and make her homeschooled. They decide to kind of like cushion the blow, I think, to get her a pet goldfish. As a classmate of a sort, um, just kind of like as a consolation prize, and she names him the cutest name, Fluffy, uh, which is such a ridiculous name for a fish, but I love it. Did you have any pets, by the way? No, I did not. Not even a goldfish? Nope. Okay. My sister's betta fish just died, um, so it's very poignant, actually. Uh, He died two days ago. She called him Mr. Fishy. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, So rest in peace, Mr. Fishy, this is dedicated to you. Um. All right, so Amelie browns the fish is her best friend, and she kind of imagines having conversations with it while her mom is trying to teach her lessons. And due to her not listening and kind of like talking to the fish, uh, her mom tries to like confiscate the fish. And when Amelie grabs it really tight, the fish accidentally slips out of the bowl and the parents decide that the fish must go. After this entire incident, Amelie and her mother go to pray in the Notre Dame, where we find out through both her prayers and her mother's prayer that um, her mother, whose name is Amandine, thinks Amelie is a very difficult child and uh, thinks that if she had a son, life would be easier for her. Her prayers are quickly answered in a very twisted way, since uh, when she and Amelie exit the church, a tourist decides to commit suicide by jumping off the roof of the Notre Dame, uh, and as he jumps, he jumps onto Amandine, which kills her instantly. So, what are the chances, right? I know, right? It's definitely a twisted karma thing. I don't know how you felt about this, but I had a little thing in me that was like, "Oh, maybe she deserved it," uh, really? which is a horrible thing to think. I know. Um, and obviously, that's just a very little voice in my head. But like, just because she dumps the fish. No, no, not about the fish at all. It's about how she treats Emily, uh, uh, okay. or how she talks about Emily when she prays, saying how difficult she is and how everything would be better with a sign. I was like, mm, that's not a great look for you. I but, mean, it's
1: definitely not a great look, but I don't yeah. think that of means course that not. she of deserves
0: to die. But of anyways, course not. Yeah. That's, that's not why I'm insinuating, but like <laughs> a little twinge, it's there. It's wrong, but it's there. Um, all right, so after her death, Her dad decides to honor his late wife by cremating her body and putting the ashes into a garden gnome. Um, So he will constantly think about her whenever he sees the gnome. Yeah, so I think this is pretty much all that happens in these four songs. So they're relatively short and the sequence is kind of fluid. The songs go from one to another pretty quickly. So what do you think about this entire sequence? Any song you want to talk about more in particular? And
1: I mean, it's a very important, even though like, like you said, most songs are really short and brief, but this is Emily's childhood, essentially. So I think it has a lot to do with like how Emily is growing up. So it really helps the audience to understand more of Mm -hmm. like how she turned on the way she is. I just thought it's interesting that when her mom taught her at home, she was teaching her like Zeno's paradox. Yeah. And it has it becomes a very important metaphor later course, as that. she like cannot connect with other people. And I thought it was pretty brilliant too. I don't know if like the producers of the show had that in mind when they kind of interjected. But I don't I think, think they it really did. Okay. Because I don't think it was present in the movie. So a very, very clever piece to kind mm-hmm. of the small details in the beginning. So I really like that. Um, in terms of the songs themselves, musically all three songs are okay. Like I have something to say about the second song or maybe the third song here like the world's best friend Uh it's the whole song is very funny in a way obviously we can see that um she's very like lonely and everything but the the fact that they put like a whole person as a fish on stage i think they're trying to make it a very comical moment to engage the audience or whatnot Mm -hmm. but one of the problems I have with this musical in general is that I feel like they're trying to overdo it they're trying to like kind of force the humor into the musical when I don't think it's necessary Mm -hmm. so I can see the reason behind doing that in this one song but it's just how it kind of continues in the later songs uh, throughout the entire musical sometimes Mm -hmm. I don't think it's appropriate to put some of those humors in there but um but that's just my opinion but for mm-hmm. the song itself i think it's actually quite um brilliant that they're trying to make it more of a comical and funny song rather than a very serious moment just because i don't know it kind of actually gives me a little bit of the matilda's vibe
0: mm-hmm. how like
1: she's like lonely and trying to kind of have fun on her own um when she really cannot connect to the rest of her family so mm-hmm. that's definitely there so yeah I liked it. I don't think the mom deserved to die. <laughs> like, I agree
0: with you. I agree with you. I just, it's a little thing. It's a yeah, little thing. Yeah, but um, I agree
1: that it's very yeah. cruel when she said that we could use a son. Yeah. I really don't think that was necessary. I mean, I understand it, but I just feel really bad.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like you, having a sibling is a great idea. I don't know about how you grew up, but um, we also kind of like helped taking care of each other. Um, growing up so it took kind of a little bit less of a toll on the parents Um, so in from that angle I can definitely see how having a sibling would be very beneficial for her um, especially in terms of socializing since she's a very lonely person Um, but that's really not the way that this was presented and that was my little like oh you know you deserve some kind of comeuppance obviously not death obviously not death Mm -hmm. Um, um so that was my kind of like understanding of it in terms of the points you touched I agree with a lot of them um I was curious if you also know something fishy no pun intended about world's best friend <laughs> um <laughs> so I didn't like this song really out of the entire sequence that's the one that I didn't really like or didn't connect to and I actually really liked the rest of them So um, I think the rest of them were very catchy. They were a good intro. They focused on the nuclear family very, very well and kind of like the childhood that she had and kind of informs us how things will proceed from now on, planting Zeno's paradox there. Very, very good. Um, Especially since it's the big main theme of the entire musical. So I liked that. I am not a big fan of the world's best friend out of the sequence. Um, I don't know if you caught that as well. But her birth year is 1975. So she isn't a millennial. But her parents gave me very strong helicopter parenting vibes. And that is something that is very identified with millennials, I think. Like just not letting your child make their own mistakes or not letting them like live their own life out of fear of something happening to them. So I found it very interesting. I wonder if a lot of people our age will be able to relate to that. And another thing that I think would be speaking to people our age, we don't see a lot of People who are represented in our age group, which is like mid 20s um, in theater. And if she was born in 1975 and this is taking place in 2001, she's about 26. So I like that they have that. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a category that is lacking. And I'm glad there is some representation there. I don't know if you, for example, could relate to this more than, let's say, something about a lower age group like Matilda, or maybe something that is a higher age group. What is a higher age group? Well, I word?
1: think I related to this, not really necessarily about age, but more mm-hmm. just because of her personality. Personality. Like how it's very like, shy and everything. I can relate to that.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, the sequence, there are some elements that I thought are absolutely beautiful. So, one element that I single out specifically um, is the prayer element when they. Um, prayer in the Notre Dame in World's Best Mom. And they have this kind of like harmonization going on. They revisit it in the Broadway uh, version of this later on. And it's one of my favorite moments in the musical. So this is something that definitely could be attributed to this. Times Are Hard for Jerry Mary is kind of like the main song from this. And it's showing from the very beginning here, which is also very, very good. But something that has been cut in the Broadway version, but is present in the version we watched, and is also present in the West End version, is the true opening number, which is called The Flight of the Blue Fly. Um, But just to give you a little bit of info of what it is, um, it's kind of like a short window into the lives of all the characters we will visit in the story, and uh, that happens the year Amelie was born. So we visit that through the flight of a blue fly going from person to person. Um, So it is literally just like a brief glimpse into their life. And it's really, really nice. It's very beautiful musically. So it starts with like an accordion music uh, in the beginning. And from my in-person viewing experience of Amelie, the two things I remember most or the two things that stuck with me has been the absolutely drop dead gorgeous set design that doesn't exist in the original watch by the way. And mm-hmm. the accordion that played in the opening sequence of the flight of the blue fly. And it's beautiful. Um, so I'm really, really sad that they actually cut that from the official Broadway recording. Did you have any opinion of it since you did listen to it in the recording? No, not really.
1: To be honest, <laughs> one of the things I really didn't enjoy as much in this musical is the music. I yeah. didn't like most of the songs, to yeah. be honest. Most I of the you. songs didn't really speak to me. And not like they're horrible, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't really have anything. It just doesn't sound much.
0: Mm-hmm. to me I it feels very
1: repetitive um at some point and especially I have a lot of rant to say about this like especially <laughs> during the I don't even know if they have like a clear act two or something but they the do. last couple songs in this musical oh my god I just need to rush through them because I just can't
0: but but yeah we'll get there I'll tell we I'll say more there. when we get there I'm looking forward to it Um, So the next uh, song is Times Are Hard for Dreamers. And as I mentioned, it's kind of like the big number of this musical. Um, Adult Emily moves out of her childhood home to Paris, where she doubles down on being a dreamer. um, And she wants to make her own way in life. So I think throughout her childhood, she was always berated for being a dreamer and not being realistic enough. And that's part of the things that her mother tried to hammer home with Zeno's paradox to tried to be realistic and cynical about life and she is kind of like taking being a dreamer as a badge of honor here which I really like it is one of the best songs in a musical in my opinion so I wonder how you feel about it music itself it's okay mm-hmm. and
1: you're gonna hear me say that for maybe the next 10 songs or something like yeah they're just okay I do have something to say about the characters so I feel like and this musical she seems like a lot brighter like in the movie she was a little bit more awkward and weird which mm-hmm. i actually really enjoyed i just feel like it's very different than the film vibe that mm-hmm. i got you're right um and i think it's such a shame because part of the reason why i really enjoyed the movies because she was very shy and awkward and mm-hmm. that's the part i can relate to the most Um, But since that is a little bit taken away, I feel like it definitely kind of dropped below my expectation in that regard. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it has the same feeling, though. Uh,
0: I also prefer the movie to the musical by a large margin.
1: Okay, good. Good to know.
0: Um, And I don't think they have a very similar feel. So in here, Emily seems a lot better adjusted. Compared to the movie, like, in the movie she's a lot more quirky, and in the musicals, she overall seems like she has friends, she's well-liked at work, she's well-liked by her neighbors. She's like a normal person. Not saying that she's
1: not normal, but, like,
0: that's part of fun. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, (laughs) The only hang-up that she has is about, like, I guess the romantic relationship, and they put a lot of emphasis on here. Um, But in terms of everything else in her life, she's very well adjusted. I think in the movie, she had a lot less connection with her peers, and she, like, rejected, like, going out with them and stuff like that, like, repeatedly, like, just for fun stuff. But in here, they seem very, very close. Yeah, so it is definitely different, and the feel of the production is different. And I also definitely agree with you in terms of the music. The music is overall pretty underwhelming. Okay, so the next song is The Commute. So um, Amelie gets a job as a waitress, and there is a five-year time skip where her life stays pretty much the same. So um, we'll learn a little bit more about the side characters, which I mentioned in the beginning. So one of Amelie's coworkers is Gina. Um, she had an unfaithful husband who cheated on her with his secretary and as they were about to board a plane together the plane crashes and it kills them both um, and she's kind of like stuck on that era of her life and she went out since then with a guy on a date and he has been stalking her ever since which is lovely um, another lovely <laughs> Another coworker that she has is Georgette. Um, She is kind of like a hypochondriac. She's always scared of catching new diseases. And um, lastly, there is Suzanne, who is the owner of the cafe. And we find out she used to be a trapeze artist in a circus and she had an accident preventing her from continuing um, her career at a circus. So she opened this cafe instead and um, apart from the stalker who is also one of the characters uh, we finally have Hippolito who is writing a book about his life and it's kind of like very depressing and he despairs throughout the entire writing time which kind of prevents him from progressing forward so one of the cafe patrons hit on Emily, but she avoids his advances and Suzanne tries to like sit Amelie down to have a talk asking her why she's still at the cafe, why isn't she advancing with her life. Um, she's kind of like gesturing towards everybody there and she's asking Amelie to see that everybody who's there is going around in circles just waiting around. Um, what are your thoughts? The commune itself, the music it's me. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh my God, I feel so bad. Maybe just avoid asking me this question as a whole, because that's probably what you're going to (laughs) hear.
0: I I want to like quantify how many mehs you have. And if you have anything that is not, I feel like it will be like a really important moment to hear. I'm curious. It's not.
1: (laughs) Anyways, um, it actually reminds me of Waitress a little bit here. Same. How everything was opened up and like their dynamics and relationship even um reminds me of jenna becky and i can't remember the other one yes a little bit um for this part i actually really enjoy the cafe scene in the film whenever it comes up because the whole pairiness and like the french element in the movie is so (laughs) nice but too bad it's not as emphasized in the musical Kind of they have a lot of cultural
0: references in the in the lyrics. Like they constantly talk about um, French landmarks or Parisian landmarks in particular. Like they talk about the Sacré Coeur, they talk about Saint Martin Canal, a lot of like French foods. Uh, she cracks creme brulee, for example, is one of the lyrics. So I do think they have a lot of references lyrically, but very little in terms of like the visual experience. I'm a very visual person. <laughs>
1: But I, appreciate that Denver, though. I think it's like a nice thing that they try to do that to bring it back to his like French origin mm-hmm. but, but yeah I am a very visual person
0: mm-hmm.
1: actually one of the complaints not complaints but like one of the comments I have about the all the side characters is that in the movie like you can sort of um get to know their life a little bit by having some like montages or clips or something like that so it's very brief but it tells you a lot of information about what's happening with other people but in the musical they almost always have to kind of include a song to tell you the side story of people that is technically not that important and um i'll go on to like talk about it more as we go on but I just think that they spent too much time on them in general
0: I'm with you about this one I think narratively it's really important to know more about the characters but um the commute is a pretty nonsense song, in my opinion. I think they did it mainly for the shock value because, yeah. from my understanding, one of the like really important moments or like one of the more sensational moments is like the montage of like couples having an orgasm or whatever. So you just wanted to include this as a moment that people will recognize from the movie because it's something that has been talked about, and I think it could be omitted. but um apart from that, it's okay. It's not over. It's not like overwhelming moment. It's not that good, but it's not terrible, in my opinion. I do like the next sequence though. So the next song is The Battle Drops. So Emily spies on her neighbors as her snooping is interrupted by the news announcement reporting on Princess Diana's death. So as a result of hearing the sad news, the um, spyware she uses drops to the floor. And when she reaches out to pick it up, she discovers a little trap door where childhood trinkets were stored in a box. So inspired by Princess Diana, Amelie is resolved to do good deeds, and the first on her list of good deeds is to return the box to its owner. Overall, I think this is like maybe second favorite. I really enjoy this one. It's very quiet and serene, and I think it helps showcase the performer's voice. So... Um, this one, obviously, we watched with Philippa Sue, but the one I watched in West End wi- was with a French-Canadian actress, and she was very, very good. So moments like this and songs like this that are a little bit quiet and a little bit more reflective, I think, really help showcase the character. Um, so I really like it. What do you think? I like how it's the young
1: Emily thing in, like the adult one acting out the actions Mm -hmm. so kind of like signifying that's the kind of like the pure hearts or like the innocence that she had as a child that sort of Mm -hmm. motivated her to find the owner of the box or like to carry on and continue to do the good deeds and to help other people so I really like that I think it's a very clever arrangement then again the music it's okay (laughs) I don't really think too much about it I don't know. It just seems like this musical has a lot of songs. They kind of made a song for every more significant moment. Yes. Which is a good thing. But it's just musically, is not too outstanding. Uh-huh. So musically, it's okay. But obviously, narratively, it's an important moment in her life.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good observation, actually. So they do definitely try to like put a song on a more narratively important moment. But they don't do it very artfully, so it kind of, like, takes a little bit the moment itself down. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's something, like, that you feel as well, but it yeah. makes it seem less special. I don't know. Um, so while I do think it's one of the better musical songs here, uh, I also feel the overall mehness of the musical, musical numbers in this, uh, in, in this musical. But um, I really like the next one. It's very cute and very preppy. It's very, very, very different from the movie. So I wonder how you reacted to it. Um, so the next number is three figs. So we cut to the morning market. Amelie passes by the fruit stand where the seller, Lucien sings about his love for figs. <laughs> so um she asks the owner of the fruit stand who used to live in the apartment before her if he knows um, who lived there before he did. Um, so while he doesn't remember, he gives her his parents' address and tells her they might know. So, yeah, in the movie, the fruit stand owner is kind of super abusive towards Lucienne. And Emily kind of like helps scare him into being a kinder person or like into being a less abusive person through fear. And in the musical, the owner is kind of like a little bit exasperated, I'd say, with Lucienne, but he isn't abusive towards him. And in the end, her good deed kind of changes from like pulling the pranks on the uh, on the fruit stand owner to helping Lucienne when he voices that he's a little bit lonely. She advises him to find a date. So, yeah, that's that's the main difference. My thoughts about this, I think it's a really quirky number. They have a few quirky numbers. So um, World's Best Friend is one of them. There is another one that is like bullshit, in my opinion, which is later on. It's Goodbye, Amelie, if you guys are curious. Um, And in terms of quirky numbers, I think this is really cute. I think Lucienne is very likable. Um, They have a better dynamic compared to the movie. Definitely. I like that it's not abusive, I guess. Uh, and the performer who plays Lucien is actually a really great singer. I really enjoyed him vocally. Um, so yeah, I actually enjoyed this number quite a bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think Lucien is another awkward guy. And I always have a soft spot for these people. I think it's really cute. Um, so yeah, musically, it's okay. Again, oh my God. I feel like <laughs> I'm repeating myself for every single song. Um, but I do enjoy like watching their interactions i think it's very interesting um and um one a funny fact, not really related to the song or music or anything but i actually don't really eat figs before so i can't really <gasps> relate to his passion about figs <laughs> why i love figs <laughs> oh really i love them it's actually not a very common food in asian cuisine i don't mm-hmm. think so I don't know how to cook it. Pretty much,
0: um, Well, you don't cook
1: it. You don't, it's a fruit. Yeah, but like I don't like do eat it with a salad
0: or like you can put it you, in a salad. But like you can eat like an apple. Like you can eat like by just off. like that. Oh. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, maybe I'll give it a try. But I it's actually never really try it. But okay, now but- we know what we're gonna do next time we go for a picnic.
0: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. Like figs are such a good picnic charcuterie board fruit? You never even had dried figs?
1: I'm tempting to say yes, I have had it, but I can't really remember what it
0: tastes like, is the thing. I see, I see, I see. Okay, that's fair. I think figs are... mm -mm. They're a little bit controversial, I think, but... I personally like them a lot. They're very common in Mediterranean climates, which Israel is along the Mediterranean. So I had them quite a bit. I had them dried a lot um, because there's a a holiday that celebrates like trees in Israel. And uh, part of the holiday you give or you eat a lot of dried fruits Um, and figs are a very popular uh, dried fruit. So I'm very familiar with them. I like them a lot. Uh, I can sympathize with Lucien. They're great fruits. Okay. Um, You know what's not the greatest fruit or vegetable? Avocado? Yes. Oh, my God. The worst one by far. Uh, It's not about avocado? I really like it. I don't know if I can associate myself with somebody who likes avocados.
1: Seriously, what are you, five?
0: Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I'm joking. Um, Okay, but yeah. Okay, I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about the next character that is introduced here, which is Munsia Dufael um, in the song The Girl with the Glass. So Amelie goes on the subway on her way to visit the fruit stand owner's parents, and she runs into the second romantic lead before boarding the train. So there is like an instant spark between them, but Amelie quickly leaves in order to not miss the train. Um, so when she reaches the stand owner's parents' home, uh, and asks them if they know who the box might belong to and who lived there before they did. They give her a name that's like super duper close to the one she's looking for, but just slightly off. So Amélie searches all of Paris for the wrong guy, essentially, due to that information, until finally one of her neighbors tells her the correct last name. So that neighbor, Monsieur de Fael, is a painter with a rare bone disease, and uh, the disease prevents him from leaving the apartment. He kind of like knows immediately who she is. So I guess he's kind of bored and he's very invested in the lives of his neighbors. And um, he also knows that she's been spying on the rest of the neighbors. We also find out that he's trying to recreate Ronois' painting of the luncheon of the boat party, but cannot complete it since he cannot accurately capture one of the characters. And that character is the girl with the glass. So he's been painting it. For twenty years, but has never actually succeeded in finishing even a single copy. And since the songs are a little bit underwhelming, all in all, I think cutting it might have been a good idea. And uh, yeah, for the finished product, they cut quite a few songs, either completely or just like trimmed them down a little bit. And I appreciate actually the trim down.
1: Yeah. Well um i feel like other songs deserve to be cut more than this one Mm -hmm. just because i think the girl with the glass is a very important metaphor like the character of um emily is explained through like this representation Mm -hmm. um in his painting and the girl with the glass doesn't seem to stand out enough in the painting like she is kind of like just kind of lurking in the background just like her and at the end of the film you kind of kind of see that um it finally sort of stand out sort of like fit in. It mm-hmm. has established that sort of connection, which is a great metaphor and representation. So for that purpose, I feel like, okay, I can see why they think this deserve a number by itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think musically, it's not much. I can't really remember how it sounds like anymore, but <laughs> I think it's definitely an important um, symbol mm-hmm. to point out in this musical especially.
0: Yes, I totally agree. I think it's a pretty good song in terms of, again, the musical. In terms of the musical, it will definitely be in the upper half compared to the bottom half. Um, I think in general, I really like when characters harmonize together and Mm -hmm. they do hear. And that part I actually really, really like. So it does have good moments. And I like Monsieur de Foyle characterization in general. So I think it's a good introduction song for him. Yeah. Um, Okay, so from here we move to how to tell time. So Amelie finds the rightful owner of the box after Monsieur Defile tells her the correct name and anonymously gives it back and kind of observes the reaction of the owner after he receives it. In my opinion, it's a very pretty conclusion to, you know, this whole arc and uh, this whole song kind of like theme because it has a very similar feel and themes to um, the melody in the bottle drops. So I do like the melody in the bottle drops quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. I like that it's repeated here. Again, just as I mentioned, I really like harmonizing here. They harmonize as well. Uh, So it has a lot of good elements. Uh, I like it overall. All right, I have no idea how to pronounce this one, uh, but I know it's like an event and they had like a big kerfuffle happening in the news about it. So it's true to fonts, I think it's like the bike thing did you did you hear about it in the news where like the entire bike like the entire competitors were toppled over by this one woman who had to flee the country oh I saw that I saw yeah. the video too oh my god yeah it's so sad um imagine like they worked for it their entire life <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that's really really unfortunate
0: yeah Um, Anyway, (laughs) so that's just a long way of saying I have no idea how to pronounce it. So to all the French people or Quebecois people or French speaking people, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the owner of the box um, ends up coming to Amelie's cafe by coincidence and inspired by finding the box, he reconnects with his ex-wife in order to see his estranged son again. So after witnessing the power of good deeds, Emily doubles down and decides to set up Georgette and Gina's stalker, which is an interesting choice. Um, Emily then takes a break and continues doing good deeds around the streets of Paris. It's not very memorable. It's cute. It's breezy. It's okay, but it's not terrible. Any any other thing about the song? Maybe the choice to set up Georgette and a stalker who is a stalker. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea, Amelie. That's I'm a bit like, of a mistake. How,
1: why would somebody think that it was a good idea? To be like, yeah. this person is creepy. Let me set him up with like another friend of mine. Unless <laughs> she has some, I don't know, like they're actually not friends or something. Then, then. But like they seem pretty close. They, so. they are. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah. if it makes sense to the producers, then just have to suck it up. <laughs> um, and let me guess, the song is math? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the songs are math, like, if you ask me. Uh, not a single one, eh? Um, maybe, maybe in like the later one. I think Halfway was okay. Okay. But
0: we'll get there. Okay, we will. So we are going to my least favorite song in the musical just now, which is Goodbye, Amelie. Um, so Amelie daydreams in her apartment and imagines herself as Princess Diana. And she imagines Elton John, of all people, singing in her funeral. And I would 100% cut this song out. It has no narrative purpose. It's boring. It's no good. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, this is exactly what I meant by, like, they tried to make it, comical yeah but I don't feel like it's necessary I think I have pretty similar feelings towards this one and with you Mm -hmm. uh I definitely feel like it's something that can be cut
0: to be honest yeah okay um so the next one is backyard um so Emily returns home to check on her dad who is obsessively tending to the gnome uh, he rejects all of Amelie's attempts to leave the gnome side and reconnect with her. And um, we find out he has been essentially neglecting himself in favor of taking care of the gnome since his wife's death, presumably. Mm-hmm. And um, finally, when her dad leaves to go to the store, Amelie kidnaps the gnome and hands it to her flight attendant friend who frequents the cafe. Um, I think it's a pretty boring song. I understand why they put it there again, narratively. Because it's a pretty big beat from mm-hmm. you know, the, the movie, but it's just not that interesting as a song. Yeah, I
1: think it's nice. And it's actually sort of sweet to see that she's trying to push her dad out of his comfort zone and to mm-hmm. embrace life a little bit more. Um, and I think it's a very interesting comparison, too, because she herself lacks that sort of connection to other people in her life. But then she was trying to help her dad to establish different life, essentially. And I think it's like a good change and starting to see that positive change in in her life or like in her person in general. So I like Mm -hmm. that. And I like the, the scene in the movie as well. And I think that's why I'm very heavily biased towards liking these numbers because it just reminds me of like how nice it was in the film Mm -hmm. but for somebody who has no experience watching the film I doubt if they will still have the same feelings towards this one or like towards the whole musical because to be really honest and I'm not trying to be harsh or like bitchy or picky or anything but it just the whole thing just seems really boring almost Mm -hmm. like nothing really stands out to be too interesting mm-hmm. um and you don't really see the main plot until we were introduced to Nino i think is that how yeah. You it yeah and then if they decided to make the romantic relationship the main plot well like the yeah, the main plot of this musical then they did it really late to the point we were like what is happening here sort of and if they trying to make the life of Emily the main focus of the show and then I definitely feel like they spend way too much time um, talking about the other characters or like talking about the side storyline and and that's just me not just me Mm -hmm. and I think it's something that you can bear with it in the film because it's a movie and probably doesn't take that much time but if it's a musical and you have to listen to like all these songs about it then it's like eh, sorry I think I got carried away but going back to the song no no obviously the music itself it's it's okay it's okay I think that the chemistry with like the dynamics that she has with her dad is so different compared to the film version and part of the reason why I keep like referencing back to the film version is because that's just the original right so it's hard not to make that comparison but if you just see the musical as it is like as a individual separate production then maybe you can ignore all the stuff and you will still be able to enjoy it but just for me I just can't (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah. I agree um in terms of what you said about introducing, you know, the actual plot, so before the song, the bottle drops in the West End version, um, they take one of the the first solo that Nito, who is the romantic male lead, has, which is when the booth goes bright. So they put it very, very early on. And I think that really helps, you know, showing. Mm-hmm. Who he is and why he's relevant to the plot, especially since she's going to run over him, like um run into him again and again on the subway. Um, it kind of like makes you a little bit more invested in him and makes it more relevant. So the placement of the songs is a little bit questionable in here. And I'm glad they made a rearrangement for um you know, the West End version. but yeah, the song is is not great. Mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. All right. So um, I just mentioned when the booth goes bright and it is appearing um, just now. So we are finally introduced to Nino um, formally. Um, So uh, as I mentioned, Amelie keeps like running into him on the subway. And um, when we see him, he is lying on the floor next to the photo booth um, when he hears his train is about to depart. So he quickly gets up and leaves. And um, in the commotion, he forgets his photo album behind. And um, at this point, like Amelie takes the photo album with the intention of returning it to him, essentially. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess she goes back home. She shows the content of the album to Monsieur de Forel, which I think is really weird. Like, I think there should be some kind of privacy here, but maybe yeah. not. <laughs> it's like, hey... <laughs> Look what I found! Yeah, it's like showing it to all your friends. It's a photo album, it's something that could be like super personal, but mm. um, yeah. yeah. So we find out it's like full of people who take pictures of themselves in photo booth but don't pick up the photos afterwards. So um, the song sounds super duper duper different in what we watched compared to the Broadway version and compared to the West End version. And it's a lot better in the Broadway recording. So what we saw is actually the worst version of it. Um, The new iteration of it is a lot more catchy. This one is literally very difficult to sing or remember. And it's only reminiscent through like some of the lyrics and a little bit of the melody and the ending of the song or like middle end of the song has pretty similar elements, but it's just not repetitive enough for me to remember even what's going on in terms of like the non-Broadway version, right? So it's not a very good song in the version we watched. The later iterations of it is like are better, but they're still not necessarily the best. You know, it's not like an outstanding song. They're not making like diamond out of like coal. So yeah, <laughs> I wonder what you think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I have pretty similar feelings toward this one. Um yeah, I I didn't listen to like the different versions, so I can't really comment on that. But mm-hmm. but yeah, it just yeah. another song that didn't really speak to me as much. It doesn't really do much to me. I mm-hmm. feel like the casting too. I really enjoyed like the casting of um. You know, I really hope this is how you pronounce it. If there's like a French way of pronouncing it, you guys should let me know. But <laughs> I really enjoy the casting of him in the movie because he just looks like really awkward too.
0: Yes.
1: Um, but this dude, he doesn't look awkward or shy or anything at all. So he's I also well adjusted. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's just my take on the yeah. on the song or like on his character, I guess. So yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> what What do I you know.
1: think, though?
0: Um. I really hate this version of it. I, <laughs> oh, um, no. Nino has, I mean, I don't really hate it because there are war songs in here. For example, I hate, I, I wouldn't, I can't, I, I hate is a big word, but I dislike Backyard and Goodbye, Emily more than this one. So I guess like it's already more up there compared to like the other songs of the musical. Mm-hmm. But the finished version is a lot better. And this one is a little bit sucky musically. In my opinion, in general, even in the finished version. So Nino has two songs and his second song I actually like quite a bit, um, which is Thin Air. It's going to come up later on. But this one, I think, is a little bit of a lukewarm introduction to him. It paints the fascination he has with, you know, photo booths, but it doesn't do it as effectively as it could. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree. Yeah, I feel like there was something missing, but I couldn't like quite say what it is, but yeah. I think you put it quite nicely.
0: Thank you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, half of the time I'm just rambling, like, not knowing anything, and when I hear other people in podcasts do it, I was like, oh, but I think it's because I recognize it in me, as an aside. So, the next song after this is Sister's Pickle, so Mincia Defile realizes one of the people in the photo album appears over and over again, and he uh, takes a picture, never smiles when he takes the picture and then immediately tears it afterwards. So they kind of like run hypothetics of why he is like this and what could lead him to have this really strange behavior. Um, and then while browsing through the album, they also find Nino's contact information. And at this point, Amelie goes to return it and she does it in a non- non-costume. So uh, we cut to Nino in his workplace, which is a sex shop, which makes the nun thing very comical. Um, and he expresses how sad he is about the loss of his album to one of his coworkers. Mm-hmm. So Nino leaves to check on some merchandise uh, as Amelie enters. And uh, she sees that he isn't there and is debating if to introduce herself or just give the album and leave. And she decides to like go for a third option, which is leave with the album before Nino comes back. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's an interesting choice. But yeah. uh, when the co-worker remarks that she looked like she almost has a secret, Nino immediately recognized who she's talking about and runs after her so what do you think about
1: yeah I can relate to like wanting to back off last minute I think it's a very interesting choice that she decided to kind of just back off with the album though um I think if it's me I'll just drop it and it just run away. same (laughs) yeah it's definitely something I can see myself doing or something I have done past but yeah so I can really relate to her struggle here I think it's also very interesting how she came up with the idea of like I'm gonna come in dress up as a nun I like,
0: know it's like where did I
1: even come from
0: it's just from so a out of Siam. nowhere yeah yeah he's like oh going there with a nun costume I was like oh yes that gives me an idea and she rushes in to buy a nun costume because I'm assuming she didn't have that lying around <laughs> yeah and executed this is a lot of like, like investment funds this is a lot of investment exactly a thought that she's putting into this and it's very fascinating
1: yeah very very fascinating I think yes. it's it's very cute in a way, but at the same time, it's just so weird. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I guess the weirdness is part of the cute. So, oh my gosh. She actually so invests
0: a lot in here because later on she'll have like a Zorro outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, when she does like graffiti and then she gets like a disguise later on with like, I don't know, a Russian babushka thing looking, mm-hmm. um, you know, head wrap and sunglasses, which are not incognito at all, but Okay. Uh, so actually <laughs> she puts a lot of time effort and money into this and good for her. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> obviously about the music m- sorry sorry you were going to say. I was just going to say like music it's okay.
1: Like we're about to go to one song that I feel like was better than okay but mm-hmm. uh but we'll talk about it. But for this song it's just yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Whoever writes this song I'm really sorry I'm not trying to
0: diss you but yeah. Yeah, I mean, hmm, I think they know. (laughs) So maybe I'll put it right now. Maybe I should have put it in the beginning. But uh, as I mentioned, this kind of flopped pretty hard on Broadway. So they were really banking on the popularity of the lead actress um, because at this point, she was already really famous from Hamilton and she was Mm -hmm. very popular. And it closed after like 50 shows, I think. So less than 100 for sure uh very very quickly and it was snubbed it didn't get well it wasn't snubbed because I didn't think it deserved any but it didn't get like any Tony nominations so it really underperformed critically and it underperformed in the box office um so I think they know that it's not necessarily the most popular it did a lot better in the UK it's still showing there as I mentioned um but I think that's because they did a lot of workshopping of the music and the plot a little bit moving things around cutting things adding things if needed be so, yeah, I think they're aware. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. I don't want to be like, you know, too mean about this kind of stuff, but it's just, this is my honest opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's important yeah. to, to voice your honest opinion. I mean, if it, you're not doing it in a mean way, you're just voicing what you think is right. And it's not like you're being cruel or really trying to like be negative Nancy on purpose. So, thank you. I don't thank think... you. No yes, worries. that's my thought exactly. You have nothing to be ashamed of. And in fact, you're about to praise it in the next song. Um, so the next song is halfway. And I do agree with you straight away. This is one of the better ones. So um, Emily gets in trouble with Monsieur Dufayel for not returning the book and telling, not telling Nino how she feels. Um, and as a response... To her intimacy issues, she like cuts back to young Emily, reflecting on her childhood and um, kind of like being taught by her mother about Zeno's paradox. Yeah, after the song happens, Emily repeatedly calls the sex shop to hear Nino's voice. Weird behavior again. When Nino realizes it's her and asks for the album back. And then she sends him like a letter asking him to solve Zeno's paradox um yeah so what do you think about this one
1: yeah it's one of the better ones finally yay is it um, your fame well if you put it that way sure okay but I don't think <laughs> I'll go back to listen to any of the songs to be that's fair yeah yeah I think it's a very important moment though because she can finally have the chance to kind of reconcile with herself um a little bit so I enjoy it in that sense. Like, musically is one of the better ones, too, so yay to it. Um, yeah, but other than that, like, I don't really have much. What do you think?
0: I think it's actually a pretty song. So even not in this production, I think it would fare pretty well. I enjoyed the harmonization, of course, between a young and an adult Emily. Um, and I think it sounded very serene, beautiful, and a bit of a lighter... Well, not lighter, uh, more like... Uh, realistic moment even of of reflection which I enjoyed I don't think it's something that was really present in the initial movie they didn't have too too many moments of reflection since it Mm -hmm. is a bit of a lighter rom-com but I don't mind this edition even though it deviates from it so you mentioned you wouldn't go back to listening to listen to it after like this episode is there anything that you haven't listened to before that you went back and listened to after we covered it yeah a lot of them Really? Okay, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I think so far, um,
1: Waitress is definitely something I go back to listen to Me a lot too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I oh man, constantly berate myself for giving it such a low score. I was like, Oh my god, Vic, like, you're so dumb. Um, I, I think it's because it was
1: the first episode, so it was, we yes. were trying to be more harsh on the yes. rating but then yes. we later find out that we should probably be more generous
0: <laughs> yes so um people please do not come after us with p- pitchforks I don't think it deserves 6.5 anymore after seeing all of the musicals we covered oh, yeah. afterwards definitely <laughs> I'm
1: gonna give it an 8 if I can rewrite it
0: oh that was literally what I was about to say this is so interesting yeah <laughs> but um yes this is a waitress coming of like to light moment where just deserves better. So yes, this is a this is a good song as far as the songs here go, in my opinion. It's not my favorite still. My favorite is actually not as good in the version we watched, but it's really good later on. And narratively I think the importance of putting Zeno's Paradox right here is is a good addition. So, like mm-hmm. right after Monsieur Defel like berates her about her intimacy issues, that's when Zeno's paradox like sequence appears, and I think that really helps tie in the allegory of Zeno's paradox to everyday relationship that she has. So even people who are a little bit slow for the uptake would understand what's going on. Um. All right. So after this, we have window seat. So at the cafe, Amelie continues to try and encourage Georgette and the stalker to get together. And she also sends Gina a fake letter in her deceased husband's name, regretting leaving her. And after that, Gina says she's ready to move on. Personally, I have like difficulty even remembering it now, even though I listened to the cast recording many times. Uh, It's just not very memorable. It is sweet. But it's not memorable at all. What do yeah, you think? Me too.
1: It, I think it's another song that's just okay. I feel yeah. it's a little bit unnecessary, though. It's very necessary. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think that it needs to devote a whole song to show these moments. Yeah. Um. Necessarily, so yeah, a little bit too long and too boring, to be honest. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody would have, as audience, you feel too much about.
0: Like, for example, like Gina. Um,
1: but yeah.
0: I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one is There's is No Place Like Gnome. Um, Amelie's dad storms into the cafe, visibly upset. And the gnome, accompanied by Amelie's flight attendant friend, sends postcards from around the glo- a globe as Amelie's dad doubles down, saying he wants it back in his backyard. Um. So in the end of the song, I guess, Emily is just like super excited that her dad finally left home and came to see her, which he hasn't done before. And mm-hmm. she also introduces him to Suzanne. Um, and meanwhile, Georgette and her, well, not her stalker. It will be her stalker later on. Her guess, stalker. <laughs> the stalker <laughs> hook up um, in the background. So yeah, what do you think about There's No Place Like no?
1: I don't know everything just kind of falls into place like too perfectly oh um, totally yeah so you, it's like it's almost like musical is shouting like we're almost at the end everyone gets <laughs> their happy ending now That sort of feeling yeah
0: um,
1: yeah and uh and yeah it's uh, obviously another funny song honestly like i said earlier i feel like some songs are made funny on purpose but the comical element, in my opinion, wasn't necessary. And sometimes they felt really forced. And to me, this is an important moment when she kind of push her dad finally to embrace life and obviously later she will too um, but instead like, because we get all these like we have something that's really funny we have something that is you know like kind of like here and there it's a little bit too misleading and with the funny elements being interjected in the song it just kind of takes away that message or like takes away that big step mm-hmm. that her family is taking to moving on which I think is very important and it, it's kind of like they kind of, what's the word? They kind of downplay it a little bit by having totally. something that's really funny coming in, which I don't think is appropriate. But this is, again,
0: just me. I also don't think it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think my problem in terms of like the tone of the musical, the quote unquote funny moments are very childish. And I don't yeah. think children are the target audience. For this musical, like, at least the the place that we're watching in London was a very adult place. It was, like, also next to a bar or something like that. And they have, like, some sexual moments here, which I don't think necessarily will be child-appropriate. So they have a really big issue with the tone of the movie, where they have some more serene moments and some more real moments mm-hmm. interjected by very childish moments. mm mm-hmm. So that is not necessarily very well done. Yeah, Um,
1: cheap humor,
0: cheap humor. Yes, exactly, cheap humor. Um, So yeah, I I don't think too much of this song, to be honest. But I do like the next one, which is Thin Air, which I already talked about. Uh, This is the second solo that Nino has. So we cut it back to Nino sticking up flyers, um, kind of like about Amelie. And he's trying to figure out who she is um one note before we talk about it he licks the flyers before handing them to people which is really gross <laughs> I hate when people do that I hate when people do that. when they lick like pages before flipping mm-hmm. them on a book or like in a book I think like older people tend to do it a lot or like generally licking their finger does it actually do anything except like giving people like a sample of your saliva doesn't do anything for the paper Is that a question or that was a comment? I I have no idea.
1: (laughs) I think sometimes like maybe if you have like wet fingers, it helps you to flip pages that kind of stick together more easily. But I'm not sure.
0: Mm -hmm. I do not like what people do that. So So I I can
1: understand if it's a book or like a dictionary where there is like tons of pages or something. But Mm -hmm. a poster, I don't know.
0: What you give to people.
1: Yeah, what you give to people. Like what would be the point of that? But I didn't actually pick that up. So I think it's one of the things that maybe <laughs> irritates you. And uh, and it's good that you're bringing this up because now I don't feel like I'm the only one bitching about this
0: musical. Oh, no, no, no. I, I bitch about the musical plenty, but I think my takes are a little bit less sensical and less musical relevant. So <laughs> Um, but yeah, in terms of like what I think about the song, I really, really like it out of the solos that he has. Um, and I think it showcases who he is really well. It's relevant to the plot, unlike the other one. And it's a it's a pretty good moment. I like in the end how he like flips all the flyers in the air. Uh, it's very theatrical. It kind of like makes me feel like, oh, he might be compatible with Amelie since he has a little bit of an extra flair himself, which he definitely has as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely the superior solo Mm -hmm. it's not one of my all-time favorites from musical but it is good what do you think I don't think
1: it's that good but I can see where you're coming from (laughs) I think it's just okay again actually I'm gonna save you a lot of trouble and just say like from this point onwards all the songs are kind of just okay oh like mad to me and we didn't um, even get to my favorite, oh my God, I'm so sorry, but at the same <laughs> time, okay. I really uh, not too um yeah, that's my okay' is a, is a it's okay, but we'll get to that um later, but yeah,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, my favorite here doesn't sound right when it's included here. It's really, really good in the cast recording version, and in the West End recording version, it's also very, very good. Though, again, if it went by the West End, the very, very first song would have been my favorite. But uh, yeah, so the next song is Blue Arrow Su- Sweet, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so Amelie goes in the middle of the night to graffiti. If gods were trees, cognac would be the sap, uh, which is a quote by Hippolito, who is the author who frequents the cafe. And when she notices, then like she notices the flyers that Nino put up all over town and she kind of like frantically rips them. So when he passes by, he polito sees the quote and is really overjoyed and excited. And uh, later we find out Nino received a letter from Amelie with information on where and when to find her. So Nino shows up at the meeting place and Amelie orchestrated um, a really elaborate chase to find her but chickens out at the last minute. So she calls him to talk about, you know, the photo album and, you know, is really sick of her games by this point. And he asks her to stop and he confesses that he likes her, which is a big moment. Mm -hmm. And then she agrees to meet him face to face on another day. As I mentioned, this is very different from the version you've seen. So I totally understand why it doesn't feature up there for you. Um, But the reason why I like it is because it features many of the moments that I like from like the greatest hits, kind of like from all the songs that they had. So like the prayer portion that I mentioned before in World's Best Mom is here and uh, Sister's Pickle, which I think is relatively memorable, is here. And the version here that we watched is almost non-existent. Uh, there's very little of, here, of it here, but in the Broadway and Western version, it's it's a lot more expanded. So, yeah, what do you think of this? Oh, my God. That's okay. Don't. don't I mean, don't. I already said it's okay. I know you okay. watched something very, I, very different I, from I, me.
1: <laughs> well, I think if I were, you know, I'll also be really sick of it. I think being shy is one thing, but, like, yeah, yeah. Like I feel like if I, I if I were him, then i feel like I'm being toyed with, which mm. is not a very nice feeling, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. and so I can hundred percent understand his frustration. I think the only reason why we're so empathetic towards Emily is just because she's the main character. And we kind of <laughs> see things from her perspective yeah. and um not make things easier. But if we if that's not the case, then it's really, really hard to understand and to kind of tolerate that behavior and that that sort of feelings, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't really have much thoughts towards this. I feel like, oh, honestly, like it this part just drags on forever, which is yeah. really frustrating to me. I kind of just want this part to be ended because, like, At this point you kind of know that everyone's going to have their happy endings and eventually they're going to be together no matter what but the fact that they kind of just make it drags on forever and every single moment there has to be a song it's just really 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 painful to have to Mm -hmm. sit through all this stuff towards Mm -hmm. the end and um and yeah like there's what there's like five more songs towards the final ending which is in my opinion way too many way 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 too much um and it's unnecessarily long too, but I just
0: a hundred percent. Yeah. Especially since the version you watch was very like very segmented. There is a little tiny bit of sliver of music thrown in between, but it's very lackluster, it's not very good. I agree. Yeah, but when it's more continuous, it's it's a lot better. And in terms of like being sympathetic towards Amelie. Honestly, we see things from her perspective, but I, even I'm done with her bullshit. Like, you know, yeah. it's a lot. She's, she has him go through a lot. A little bit is fun. Like, I think it's, it can be exciting, just a little bit of a chase. But yeah. she is literally stringing him on all over the place, all over Paris. It's so much. Uh, I totally sympathize with him, to be honest. And I would be done with her bullshit, too. All right. So French, French-speaking people, Quebec people. I am going to butcher this. <laughs> <laughs> to infinity and beyond. So please bear with me. So the next song is late Mina. <sighs> I
1: mean, that's already probably better than I can ever do.
0: If you would like, send me a recording of how different my version is and how it should sound and just tell me how like incoherent this is. I would love to see it. It would be a big laugh. But uh, in the song Nino doesn't show up on time when he was supposed to um, and Emily tries to like rationalize why Nino isn't there and is feeling really dejected. So Nino finally does show up though late um, and she kind of tries to like hide behind a menu and he sees her and confronts her but she runs away before he can tell her the solution to Zeno's paradox. Goodness. Okay. (laughs) How frustrated are you now? (laughs) yeah so I think it's a again unnecessary song to have I would cut it it doesn't do much I mean I understand she's anxious we understand she's anxious from the entire musical but it's not necessary it's not that good yeah
1: yeah 100% 100% (laughs) I mean I can relate to this to some level just so that i kind of always try to prep for the worst um when somebody is not replying my messages i am be like oh my god is this person mad at me like should i be worried like maybe this happened that happened and that sort of stuff but it just it goes on way 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 too long and oh my god i can't believe that nino has all this patience just (laughs) for her and just based on that he deserves so so much like applause or something (laughs) definitely
0: yes I agree I don't know if they're that compatible to be honest so uh the next song I think is actually pretty good so it's a better haircut so the staff and patrons of the cafe try to explain Amelie's behavior and talk her up but Nino leaves and after he leaves Amelie comes back we're getting running away so Um, When she sees he isn't there, she runs away again. And then Nino comes back and gets an earful from Suzanne and the rest of the staff about being faithful and a good boyfriend to Amelie. And Nino in the end says he cannot guarantee anything about their their future in general, but he genuinely loves her. And then the workers, I know, right, warm up to him and give him Amelie's name and address. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, I think it's, a, it's actually a pretty nice song. I like that they all band together and are very protective of her. And I definitely believe Nino when he says he loves her and that he's heartfelt or like that he doesn't make any um, promises that he cannot keep and he is being realistic about this because God knows they need a realistic person in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Nino is shown in a very favorable light. Her friends are shown to be true friends. So Emily honestly has a pretty good support system around her. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. What do you
1: think? She's lucky to have He's that. Lucky, yes. Yeah. And even though that she has obviously very weird uh personality traits, like the people around her seems to be willing to kind of put out with her and to really help her into becoming a better person in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um And yeah, like encouraging her to like step out of her comfort zone and all this stuff. So she's definitely fortunate in that regard. But just as audience, this is really painful to watch. It's just so long. And and she was really difficult to deal with sometimes, which is not really her fault, considering like her backgrounds and her childhood and how how her parents isolate herself. Sorry, Mm -hmm. isolate her and like disconnect with her. Mm-hmm. Um so it's already amazing that she didn't like turn out to be some sort of like weird sociopath or something. But um but nevertheless she is still challenging to to be with sometimes. And I'm just happy that in the end that Nino was able to kind of break through that wall and to make it make his way into her heart. I'm really amazed or impressed or happy or surprised all the stuff mixed together that Mm -hmm. Nino actually loves her because it's very, very difficult. Like if you actually um, play it as a game in real life, like it it can easily, easily kill somebody's attraction or feelings towards you. At least that's Mm -hmm. what I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, if you have somebody who cares so much about you that they just kind of keep coming back, try to appreciate them. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my take. Um, hmm. Musically, again, I don't think too much of it, but I'm just glad it's almost the end of the musical. <laughs>
0: I think actually, Emily is a pretty good friend. So obviously we are very frustrated with her as the audience, but I think The quirkiness that she has is mainly restricted to her romantic relationship or more like her resistance to change specifically. And, you know, the romantic area in her life is the more lacking one because as a daughter, she seems like she's very caring towards her father. She seems like she's willing mm. to help all of her friends. But that's Um, interesting, don't you think? like because she
1: doesn't grow up with like going to school or having siblings so how is that possible that she can create or she can establish normal connection with other people as friends but when it comes to romantic relationship then it's extra difficult obviously with romantic stuff like a lot of people are more resistant to it Mm -hmm. so I can understand like her struggle in, Mm -hmm. in that but it's just I'm also curious to see like how she was able to form that sort of friendships and connection with other people, um, as we saw in the film, in the musical as well.
0: Right. So this is something that I was wondering about specifically in terms of the romantic relationship, because it does seem like the relationship between her parents was very Mm. healthy and they seem very loving towards each other in terms of the friendships. I'm not too up in arms about it because she did go, because she did go to school earlier. So as a child, she did have the chance to develop friendships and then her parents pulled her out of school to be homeschooled but then she was so young I don't know this is just me talking mm-hmm. I mean the she's definitely young but I definitely got the impression that she was at least in kindergarten and in like the early grades of school in school because they pulled her out of it so okay. she must have had some experience okay okay That's fair. Um, but in terms of romantic, romantic relationship it is really puzzling because it seems like she was really influenced by her mother with the whole thing of Zeno's paradox but her parents seem to be very loving towards each other so that is unexplainable to me but um that's a little bit of a hole there but maybe you know it just her dad is very overtaken with grief and they didn't actually model very close relationship at home uh, maybe it was something that is more towards like amongst themselves when Amelie was in there. Some parents are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or so I've heard. So it it could be that as well. Who knows? We don't really know exactly what it was like for her. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, her romantic relationship, again, very frustrating. I agree. And it is taken to like the very unrealistic view of where it is but you can think about it in a smaller scale there are a lot of people who are avoidant it's uh there's an avoidant personality disorder it's also one of the attachment types so I feel like even though they do have a bit of a harder time in relationships they still are able to form health like healthy relationships even so it is something that I could see other people relating to first of all and also being able to overcome and it's nice to see achieves overcome it so I think in that kind of context it's it's nice to see Mm -hmm. um so it could do some some good to people who are you know avoidant in general and seeing that there are people who are willing to stick up for them and wait for them um so yeah even though i agree with you it's very frustrating as an audience member to watch um all right so the next song i'm sure you're very happy it is almost over is (laughs) stay so kind of like her avoidance manifestation is at peak here. So she rushes back home when Mincia Dufail asks her if she gave the album back finally. Amelie lashes out at him and she says that, he is in Renoir, which is why he cannot finish the painting and to mind his own business, paint his own original painting and leave her alone. Very, very mean. I felt very yeah, bad for him so then. rude. Right? Especially since they were good friends, it seems like. They were yeah. like, look... Like, I don't know conspiring on a little like thing they have together I thought they had a really good bond and she's mm-hmm. kind of self, self-sabotaging here mm-hmm. so um, Nina shows up to her apartment and Emily refuses to let him in but doesn't want to, him to leave urging him to stay exactly where he is um, since she's scared of him coming too close but on the other hand doesn't want him to leave altogether um, I like the song relatively well compared to the rest of them. I think it's memorable. I think it's a good emotional climax. Um, I don't have too much to say about it apart from that. I just think that the acting is very believable and uh, I like the whole metaphor thing with the door, like open and closed doors. So the stage, the staging here is very well done as well. So um, I like it on both of these fronts. So now ending with halfway reprise and where do we go from here together? So Monsieur Dufael calls Amelie to let her know he painted her an original painting and he was going to let her know before she lashed out at him. Um, So he warns her about not trying anything new in fear of getting hurt Mm -hmm. and um, like what consequences it can have because it's something that he feels every day and uh, pushes her to go get Nino and she does that. So um, when she reveals her fears to Nino, Nino knows or reveals the solution to Zeno's paradox in turn and uh, says that in order to solve it, they have to do it together. So they do and in the process they um, finally get together. Um, and as they do, they rush to the photo booth where um, the guy who takes the photos but doesn't smile appears or Emily kind of planned as a surprise for Nino. She kind of like solved the mystery. Um, So the mystery of who he is, he is the photo booth repairman and he takes a test photo to ensure it is repaired before promptly ripping it up. Um, So at the very end, Amelie and Nino take photos uh, of themselves in the photo booth together. And that's when the musical ends. Um, So I will start with my final thoughts. I think we have pretty similar views So. the movie is a lot better than the musical and i think that's because the um score in the musical is very underwhelming um the characters and the characterization are quite different so it doesn't have the same appeal that it has Mm -hmm. in the movie in my opinion the sets and the acting and obviously the talent of the people involved in there is definitely pronounced and there are a few good songs that i enjoyed i enjoyed a lot of the um melodies here especially the harmonization i think is really well done but it's not very overwhelming it's a cute slice of life but it has a lot of duds especially in the comedy aspects of it because it is very childish and um, instead of being whimsical and, you know, relatable, Amelie is still relatable in a sense, which is also can be frustrating and overbearing. Um, and I don't find the side characters as relatable as they did, yeah. for example, in the original one. So. I know it sounds very harsh, but I still think the musical is not too bad. I like it better than other musicals we've covered so far. And um, I like that it's a rom-com. Personally, I'm a really big fan of rom-coms and um, I have very good association with the movie. So it kind of carries on to the musical. Um, As I mentioned, I do like Philippa Sue, who is the main actress, and I like some of the songs as well. And I definitely listened to it repeatedly. Um, So I can't say I hate it if we did that, right?
1: Yeah, I think I have very, very similar thoughts to you. Um, I think this musical (laughs) its not the first. (laughs) I think this musical has a great potential of having some really important messages. So like, like go towards life, you need to embrace life, like the question of um, to succeed is the kind of like becoming an adult will still kind of keep that childhood imagination. And I think the film does a fantastic job in telling us that it's okay to still kind of be childish sometimes like to keep that um innocent side of you and will still being appreciated or like be open to try out new things be open to relationship and connections and really trying to kind of find your place mm-hmm. um in your life and I think that are those are all great messages that the musical is trying in the film is trying to communicate Mm -hmm. I just think musically it fails me very very much it really is below my expectation by a lot I came into this with like a big fan of the the film and obviously high expectation of like how the music is going to turn out and unfortunately just none of the song really stand out for me um I feel like For the past couple ones, like even the ones that I didn't enjoy as much, there is at least one or two numbers that really feel like something that I could enjoy. But Mm -hmm. for this, it's just everything sounds really plain. Not saying that I didn't enjoy any of them, but it's just Mm -hmm. something that kind of just tastes like water, you know? Like you drink it, but it's just not much.
0: Um, Water is quenching. I wouldn't say this is... It's just a metaphor. So
1: (laughs) play with me. and. Again, what didn't work for me could work for you. So if you are still fans of the musical, or sorry, the film, or in general, just wanted to give it a try, you're still welcome to. But it is for me, honestly, it's probably one of the bottom ones that I've watched for the last, couple of months
0: yeah Honestly, <laughs> don't worry about it Claire. don't be nervous about it I mean this I'm is so the nervous. purpose of the podcast and you didn't do anything hateful so I really don't think you have anything to be apprehensive about and I'm gonna even like talk about it a little bit more so in terms of the themes I think they dropped the ball a little bit a little bit in mm-hmm. some the sense so um during this entire production I talked a little bit about the differences between the musicals and the final Broadway version. um a really important thematic song, which is the sound of going round in a circle, is dropped. And I think it's really, really important because it touches about a theme that is relevant to every single character in the entire musical, which is like... Them staying in the same place and not trying anything new and not doing anything new and it's something that is really hammered about Amelie in and I guess her dad to an extent um, in later songs, but not about all the rest of the cast. And in here, you get to see how every single member of the cast is in the exact same situation and how Amelie, by doing her good deeds, is bringing the you know that thing out of them. And it's a shame that they dropped it because it's an important theme. Um, and it's also one of the better songs in the musical. So it's a bit mm. of a shame that they cut one of the better songs, too. So I think they have some workshopping to do in order for this musical to be better. I don't think it's the worst out there, but it's definitely bland. Um, and it's a shame because the source material is so strong. So, yeah, I guess we can go to our final ratings. So, okay. um, take it away. I'm going to give it a four out of 10 goldfish all right I'm gonna give it a 6.5 or maybe no I'm gonna give it a 6 out of 10 um fixed okay okay oh good choice thank you Thank you. okay I was so
1: scared you were gonna choose <laughs> <laughs> all good all good all right so that's Emily and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode or like just enjoyed
0: my ranting in general probably nobody but yeah I enjoyed it for one. <laughs> so you have one fan here, Claire. Uh, thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if you do want to talk about our ranting, you want to tell us how we're stupid, you want to correct your pronunciation, specifically mine, please send me that voicemail. I would love to hear it. Um, you can do so by contacting us at Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. Or you can especially email it to us, which I think would be excellent idea, um, at podwaypodcast.gmail.com. So uh, we will see you guys next week. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye